Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And our text this morning will be verses 19 to 23. Beginning at verse 19, Paul writes, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became a Jew, so that I might win Jews to those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may be by all means, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. There ends the reading of God's inerrant word this morning. Let us go to the Lord in prayer before we tackle this text here this morning. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for giving it to us and then giving us the Holy Spirit that he might illuminate it for us. That anointing, as First John calls it. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray this morning as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would again teach us that we would see the truths that are in this text and that we would again embrace these truths and live them out according to your will. So I pray that you'll be in our time this morning. Uh, Build your church, I pray, in your name. Amen. Well, we've been in this section uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter, starting in verse 8 chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians as we go through here chapter 9 and 10 and we are really dealing with Christian liberty and Christian freedom and so there there is this whole idea that there is liberty in Christ and certainly as believers we have a liberty that is makes us free to live life really without a whole lot of circumstances with a whole lot of what I call pomp and circumstance in fact, one of the problems probably with early Christianity was the fact that it is so bland. If you're a Jew, you've been, you've been in a religion that has all kinds of ceremonies, all kinds of, of restrictions. Now, when you come to Christianity, it's kind of just a little bit blasé. After all, I mean, what do you do as a Christian? There's, I mean, there's, there's no ceremonies. There's not a bunch of, of rigmarole that you go through to. And we as human beings tend to like that. We do like the idea of ritual. It makes us feel comfortable. You all have a ritual when you come to church. Did you know that? It's not just that you come to church, but I bet you if you looked, you sit in the same pew every week, same spot. And in fact, if you were to switch sides, you'd be just like, I can't listen. My head doesn't turn that way, right? So we, we do tend to be ritualistic. We tend to have those things that, that, that cause us to be comfortable. Yet Christianity really sets all of those things aside. And so there's a liberty in our behavior. Now, we certainly know that our behavior is held by the word of God and that we must live up to its principles. But outside of that, there's a lot of things in life that is what we call in the gray areas where scripture simply doesn't speak specifically. And so there are wisdom issues that we have in order how we are to behave. And Paul has been calling us in this section here to be willing to give up our liberties There were those who thought they were strong in chapter 8, who thought that they could eat meat, right? They thought that they had that freedom to eat meat no matter what. And in fact, they were the strong, mature Christians who could do that. And you know what? Those weak Christians needed just to deal with it, was basically their attitude. You deal with it because we have freedom in Christ. You grow up, hurry up, get to where we're at. And Paul says, well, wait a minute, not so quite so fast. Not so fast. 
It's good to have your liberty, but you need to be careful that you don't cause your brother to sin, that you don't use your liberty that overrides the conscience of the weaker brother and causes him to fall into sin. And so he basically says, listen, use your liberty, but use it for what? Use it lovingly. Use it in a way that promotes spiritual growth, in a way that continues to cause your brother to grow in Christ. And then Paul, as he always does, gives us an example. And he says, listen, I have some rights as an apostle to be paid. And so he gives it, he went along and he gave us six reasons why he should be paid, why he has the right to be paid as an apostle and as a missionary as he works for the cause of the gospel. And he laid out those, those ideas, and it was clear by the time that he was done that, that Paul had the right to collect money from those he served. But Paul, again, wasn't giving us that beautiful treaty on giving for, for the purpose of, of informing us that we should be giving. But he was giving, gave it to us to demonstrate that he was willing to give up that right for the sake of the gospel. I'm willing not to be paid for the gospel. I'm willing to give that up so that the gospel might go forth unhindered. And just, just so you know, he says, I, I, didn't, I didn't mention this giving thing so you would start to give to me. I don't want that. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to show you that I'm willing to give up that right. I'm willing to work hard to support myself rather than to hinder the gospel. Well, Paul is continuing on in that vein here today. And really, you might say, Pastor, this is starting to sound a lot the same. It's starting, it seems like you're really pounding a point here. I'm not. Paul is, <laughs> right? And so Paul is, Paul is going to keep going on this point because he knows that it's difficult for us to give up our rights. It's just difficult. I mean, especially in this day and age where everyone is told that your rights are what you need to go for, right? Forget your responsibilities. Just go for your rights. Take everything that you can and push it to the max. Nobody tells you what to do. Insist on your rights. And yet Paul is coming along and saying, listen, I want you to understand that as a believer, love is going to tell, dictate to you how you behave. Love is going to, therefore, be the one that modifies your freedoms. And your desire to, to promote the gospel and to love your brother and love the Lord will be the thing that will start to modify how you behave. And so today he now goes along and he gives us, and he's really going to express to us, really we could say the thesis of his ministry in verse 9, where he will say to us, listen, I have made myself a slave to all that I might win more. In other words, I've given up my rights. I've made myself a slave. That's how I do my ministry. And then he's going to give us examples of that as he goes through in the next few verses. And he's going to say, this is what that looks like. This is what I did. And then in verse 23, he will finally extend that thesis. And he says, guess what? I did it not just for the gospel's sake, but that I can be a partaker of it as well. And so this morning, as we look, we should be challenged again by Paul afresh this morning that we would act in love and that when we act in love, that will cause us to ordain the gospel and to be the best evangelists that we can be. We will be the best brothers and sisters in Christ that we can be because our love has been our actions are mitigated by love. And so the greatest, I would say this, the main method of evangelism is not a specific program or crusade, but a servant's heart that ministers to others in love. The greatest way to evangelize is to have a servant's attitude that ministers in love. So Paul comes to our text this morning really 
saying, here's how, here's how I function. Here's how I give up my rights. Here how, here's how I, I go in self-denial. Here's how I love others for the gospel's sake. And so he really states his thesis in verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more. And he says, listen. I am free to do whatever I want as a believer. I am, I am free. Again, he's, he's talking about the gray areas of life. He's not talking about the commands of God. Let's get that straight from the beginning. He's not saying I can do whatever I want. He can't compromise the gospel. He can't compromise the standards that God has set out. But in those areas where, where the Bible is not specific, he says, I'm free from all. Whatever is not wrong in itself, I am free to do. He says, I'm, I am free. I am free of, of the Jews. I don't have to act like them. I don't, have to, I don't have to be doing all of their rituals. I'm not bound by their Sabbaths. I'm not bound by eating certain things and not eating certain things. I'm not bound by certain patterns of cooking, certain patterns of new moons and the feasts. You could go on and on, right? The ceremonial law that the Jews were given. Paul says, I'm not bound by any of that. I'm a believer in Christ. Jesus is the end of the law, right? To those who believe, I, I, I'm not bound by any of it. I don't have to be circumcised in a Jewish ceremony. I don't have to have my children circumcised. I don't have to do any of those things that would make me a Jew. I'm not bound by that. On the other hand, he says, I'm also free from any Gentile ceremony as well. There's nothing that I have to do for the Gentiles. I'm free from their routines and from their rituals. There's nothing that is incumbent upon me. There's nothing that I need to do in my relationship with God in order to be right with him, in order to please him. None of those rituals. I have liberty to reject all of these ceremonies. I'm not beholding to any group, any ethnic background. I'm free from all of it. And so he says, I'm, I'm free from it. I can do what I like. But then he says this. He says, I, I'm free of all. I'm free out of it. I've been taken. I've taken all kinds of those restraints and they've been removed. I enjoy Christian liberty like any other believer. I don't need to yield to human opinion. I have no need to yield to customer ceremony is what he says. And then Paul says, I have, my, I have made myself a slave to all. Boom. What? I am free of all men. I'm completely free. There's nothing I have to do. And then Paul says what? I have made myself a slave. Wow. Talk about paradoxical. Talk about a change of direction. What? I'm free. I don't have to do anything. Yet I have made myself. I have done it. I have voluntarily made myself a slave. You can kind of hear the rings of Exodus chapter 21 here, can't you? He says, it says in verse 5, but, in, but if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out as a free man, then his master shall bring him to the door or doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him permanently. There's this, this picture, right, of saying, I have a chance to be free. I have a chance to throw off all of these restraints. And yet this slave says, guess what? Rather than taking my freedom, I choose to what? To be a slave. I choose to serve my master because I love him. I want, and so Paul says, this is what I'm doing. 
I want to do this. I want to do it for my master. I want to be a slave to all so the gospel will go forth. This word for enslave, this verb, is a strong one. It's the same word that was used in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15 of the marriage bond, where it says, yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or sister is not under bondage in such case. He's no longer bound. There's no longer enslaved, no longer under obligation. It's the same word that is used in Romans 6.18, with our, speaking of our union with Christ. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves to what? Righteousness. Just as you were enslaved to sin with that same enslavement, he says you are now what? Enslaved to what? Righteousness. And Paul says, I have made myself a slave to all. He follows the pattern of what? Of Jesus Christ, who said, whoever would be chief among you, let him be your servant. Right, Mark 10, 44. And the next verse, he says, what I came to not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And this is Paul following in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ and says, listen, I have come to serve. I'm coming to serve my Lord Jesus Christ and I'm coming to serve the gospel and I will enslave myself to everyone. I will sacrifice everything to be your servant. So how far does it go? It goes as far as it needs to go to reach somebody. How many things do you set aside to reach somebody? Anything that stands in the way. Anything that stands in the way. Now again, we're talking about what? The gray areas of life. We cannot compromise the truth. We cannot compromise the gospel. We cannot compromise the truths of the word of God. Paul says, I do this, why? Here's the goal of my ministry. So that I might win more. So that I might win more. My objective is to what? Win more people to Christ. That's what I've come here to do. That's what, my, that's what I want to do. Paul probably read Proverbs 11.30. He that winneth souls is what? Wise. Paul says, that's what I want to do. That's the desire of my heart. I've been called by Christ to be an apostle, to give the gospel, and this is my heart's desire. He said in Romans eleven fourteen, basically, if, some, if somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. In other words, Paul said, I'm zealous to save. I want people to go. I want to do whatever I can. I'll even provoke if, it, if I could, by giving the gospel to the Gentiles, the Jews, to be jealousy so that they will come to Christ. I will do whatever I need to in order that some might come to salvation, that I might be faithful in my task in giving out the gospel. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, verse 8, for which I, he says, remember Jesus Christ, for which I suffer trouble even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. I endure all things for the elect's sake so that they might obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, I would do anything if people would become saved. I'll be a prisoner. I'll be free. I'll go to jail. I'll, I'll be beat. I'll set my life aside. I'll, I will die. I will do anything. And short of those things, I certainly will sacrifice some of my rights. I will sacrifice some of my rights. And Paul is contrasting himself with the Corinthians, right? Who were saying what? I have my rights. I'll eat that meat. Don't tell me I can't do. I'm free in Christ to do what I want. And if you don't like it, too bad. If you're stumbling, you're just weak. Paul says, actually, I'll, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
I'll become a slave to all. I will do nothing that will be a stumbling block. This is my life. This is my ministry. This is the way I live. I live not looking for my rights, but I look for how I might serve others in the cause of the gospel. Well, Paul says, this is, this is my ministry. This is, this is how I set it out. This is the thesis of what I do. I serve all. I become a slave to everyone so that I might win some to the gospel. Well, what does that actually look like, Paul? What does it actually look like? Well, Paul now just gives us three examples of what he did, how he became a slave to all, how he laid down his rights for the gospel. He says in 920, to the Jews, I became a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. So Paul says, here, I have a target group that I'm going after. He says, I am now sharing the gospel in there, and I'm sharing the gospel with Jews. And he says, when I went to the Jews, he said, I went to, I went to them and I became a Jew. He's talking about a race of Jews under the Jews racially. He says, in other words, I, I adapted to their customs. When I went to the Jews, I acted like a Jew. In order that what? I might gain the Jews. In other words, I wanted, I wanted Jews to come to salvation. And so I put myself under there. And so he said, when I was with the Jews, I did what the Jews did. Whether it was if the ceremonial law dictated, I did it. If it was important to them, it was what important to me. In other words, whatever I could do that was free in Christ to do that wasn't sin, that didn't break any commandments, he says, I was willing to do it not to offend them. If they wanted to celebrate a certain day, I did it. If I wanted to, they wanted to celebrate a certain feast, I celebrated it with them. I didn't, I didn't what? Pull away. Now remember, these feasts were pointing to Christ. It's not as if he was in a pagan ceremony here. But they were pointing to the fact of the Messiah coming. So you might say to him, well, Paul, are you compromising here? Are you accommodating? Are you watering things down? Paul says, no. I'm saying you, in order for me to gain the right to speak the truth, what? I have to make sure I don't offend people so that they can hear the truth. Now remember here, we are not talking about the message of the gospel. We are talking about his behavior. Those are two different things. And we want to keep them separated. He's not changing the message or even how he gives the message. It's how he lives his life. So, Paul, how did you do that? Well, in Acts 15, the church, there was a council, the church council in Jerusalem. It was the first first church council that we, we see in church history. It's the, the, really maybe the only official one that we have, though we, we have one others marked through church history. But the problem was, is that there was Gentile converts who were coming to Christ and they were being saved. And then there was the Jews that were coming along and saying, hey, wait a minute. It's great that you are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, but guess what? You need to keep some of the laws. You need to keep some of the tradition of the Jews. In other words, they were saying, you can't be a real Christian until you become a Jew. And in order to be a Jew, you've got to be circumcised. Otherwise, really, you, you can't be saved. If you're going to be in the covenant people, you need to be circumcised. Well, James gets up and he says, well, wait a minute. Wherefore, then, my judgment is this, that we trouble not them who from among the Gentiles have turned to God. The idea is, guess what? There's a burden that was placed on them. Let's not put this burden on them. They don't need to do this. 
So there's nothing that they need to do after they've turned to God. There's nothing that they need to do for salvation. There's nothing that need, they need to add to their salvation that when they came in faith to Jesus Christ, there's nothing that is they knew that needs to trouble them. They don't need to become a Jew. Yet he doesn't stop there. They don't stop there. He says, but here's something else that needs to take place. This isn't necessary for salvation, but there's a fence that's taking place between Jew and Gentile. And he says, here's something that I want you to do. First of all, abstain from all pollution, from pollution of idols. He says to the, to the Gentiles, here's something that's been offending your Jewish brothers. Stay away from the pollution of idols. That means meat offered to idols. That's precisely what? The Corinthians' problem. That's precisely their problem. You're not only hindering Gentile converts who, who might be eating against their conscience, but you're offending the Jews. The Jews despise pagan idolatry and their, and their worship. And you're hindering Jewish people who are looking to the gospel and they're seeing you do these things. And guess what? They're saying, that's blasphemous. We can't do that. And so Paul, they basically say, what? Stop that. James says, just stop that. You don't need to eat it. Use your freedom not to eat it so that the gospel is not being what? Run over and causing offense. And to those who might be interested, they look at that and they say, what? That's just, that's, that's, that's terrible. As it goes against everything that we've ever known. Secondly, he says, stay away from fornication. And you might say, well, duh, that's pretty obvious, right? But it's a, that's a broad word. It means sexual sin. It was often connected to Gentile worship. And he's saying, have nothing to do with Gentile offerings and have nothing to do with hanging around Gentile worship or Gentile activities where there are things going on. In other words, be careful. Don't be hanging around in, in, in these areas. Don't be involved in any of it because it's a stumbling block. He says, stay away from things strangled. This was part of the Jewish law. They weren't supposed to eat anything that was strangled that had the blood still in the meat. He said, this is offense to them. You guys are eating this meat. You don't need to eat it. We've got people who are zealous for the law. We've got those who are in, in Judaism who are curious about the Lord Jesus Christ. But guess what? You're so busy using your freedom, you're offending them. And then he says, stay away from blood. The Gentiles in many of their ceremonies drank blood. They drank blood. Not appealing to me. But I think some of them believed that there was life in the blood. There was strength in blood. And this was offending the Jews. And he says, listen, stay away from these things. We ask you to do this. Use your freedom not to do this. And this is why we understand that these are, are, are temporary things. We have, a, we have a cultural situation where we have Jews coming out of Judaism who are under the law. And right, he says in verse 21, for Moses of old has in every city them that preach him. In other words, if you're going to the Jews, recognize that Moses is still being taught in the synagogues and the places of worship. So when you go there, be aware of that. Be aware that they are preaching Moses and the things of Moses and what Moses what wrote and required from them. And so don't unnecessarily offend them by using your freedom. Realize where you are. The Jews are being read to every Sabbath in the synagogues. They are being read the Old Testament. They know what it says. And so why add unnecessary offense when you simply don't need to do those activities? 
He says, do that for the gospel's sake. Well, that's kind of an easy illustration. We have another illustration of Timothy. Of Timothy. In, in Acts chapter 16, he came to Derby and Lystra in Galatia. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, a son of a certain woman who was a Jewish and believed. A Christian Jewish leader, but his father was a Gentile. Now that's a mixed marriage. Timothy was a child of a mixed marriage. And to everybody in the Jewish world, that would make him what? A Gentile. His father was a Gentile. He would be considered a traitor. She would be considered a traitor because she married a Gentile. So here is Timothy, and he's coming with Paul, and he's coming to a Jewish area. He was well reported by the brethren at Lystra and Iconium. And he would go forth with Paul. Now, Paul really liked this young guy, and, and I want him to be with me. So he took him out, and he got him what? Circumcised. What? But I thought you were free, Paul. I thought you weren't bound by that. What was Paul doing? What was Paul's strategy in ministry? Where did he go? Jewish synagogues. Right? He went to Jewish synagogues first. He entered a town, and everywhere there was a synagogue, he went to the Jews first. And Paul knew that if Timothy was going to be accepted and Timothy was going to be used and Timothy was going to be seen as someone who, could be, who would be listened to, he would need to be circumcised. Otherwise, he was just a what? A Gentile. Not going to listen to him. His mother was a traitor. Timothy was already saved, right? He didn't need to be circumcised for salvation. But he was circumcised, why? Because it would promote the gospel and give him a, an avenue to be heard. Now, certainly a little painful for Timothy, right? More than Paul. But it was necessary. And here is Timothy being willing to do this for the gospel's sake. Now, when we think a little bit of some of the sacrifices that we make, this seems pretty big to me, right? And yet they were willing to do that for the gospel. Paul goes on. To those under the law... As under the law, though my, not, though not being myself under the law, so that I min, might win those who are under the law. Now, this could be just a restatement. Some people have said, "Well, this is when he's speaking being under the law." The first time was racial. This is ceremonial. Some people have said, "Well, this means proselytes to the gospel." It's possible. But Paul is basically saying this. When I meet people under the law, guess what? I act like them. Even though I'm not under the ceremonial law, I'm not bound by it. I'm not under the law. I don't have to keep it. But I'm willing to do that for the gospel's sake. I will put myself under their ceremonies. I will... I will do what they say in order to gain what? A hearing. Now, it doesn't mean I'll compromise. doesn't mean I'll do evil things. doesn't mean, I, mean that I will, I'm free to do whatever I want. But in those gray areas, he says, listen, if it gives me a hearing for the gospel, I'm willing to go along. I'm willing to give up my rights not to be in order to serve the gospel. And so he says, I'll make a condensation, a condensation, no, condescension, sorry. Condensation, I'm 
that's on my house. Cond condescension, right, to gain a hearing. I'm willing to give up my rights for the gospel. And then Paul says, I did it for the Jews. Guess what? I also did it for the Gentiles. He says in verse 20, and to those who are without law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. The ancient world was really divided into two, right? Those under the law, those without the law, which means who? Gentiles. And he says, when I went to the Gentiles, guess what? I acted like them. He's not, he says, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have to keep all of those traditions. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to keep all the ceremonial law. But I made myself like them. He says, I, I behave like what? With those without the law. Now he says, I'm not saying I don't have a law. He doesn't say there isn't something in me that's keeping me. He's not saying I just threw off every all restraint. Right? But we see Paul eating with the Gentiles. We see him using his freedom to do those things. When a Jew would never eat with the Gentiles. But he says, listen, I'm not throwing off the law. I'm not under the, I'm not under the Jewish law, but I am under what? The law of Christ. I'm under the law of Christ. In other words, there is a guiding principle in my life. What is that guiding principle, Paul? What do you mean, the law of Christ? He's what? Under the law of Christ. What, what's Christ's law? Love, right? He says, every believer is under what? A legal obligation to be obedient and follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to follow his principles and to act like him and to be what? Follow the principle of love. You are to be loving to others. And that love is produced through what? A love for the Lord Jesus Christ that produces love for others. And so it's not an external law as such. It is motivated by love. In other words, what the Holy Spirit is working in you, you work out. And so when we talk about the law of Christ, it, we, we understand that we can't know what Christ wants from us outside of the scriptures. And that the scriptures reveal to us what he would have us do and who Christ is. But ultimately what rules the heart of a believer is, is the Holy Spirit as he produces a love for Christ and for the things of Christ, which now compel your behavior. And so for the believer, and I've said this before, it's not so much that we have this external list of do's and don'ts. We're not sitting there like the Ten Commandments and lining them up and saying, okay, tick, 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 tick. What we are is what? Being compelled by the love of God as the Holy Spirit produces it in us to be obedient to the, and to follow the things of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing that, you will keep everything moral character of God because perfect love will produce perfect obedience. This is why Jesus says, my burden is light. What? My, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Why? Because you're under the law of Christ. He is now producing in you that love. The Holy Spirit is convincing you of the truth of the word of God, which now you live out. And when you live out what the Holy Spirit has convinced you of in Scripture, you will ultimately what? Live in love. You will do it out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You will do it love out of your brother. And you will act lovingly to everyone. And therefore, you will keep God's perfect moral character. And so Paul says, I'm under that. I'm under that compulsion to love and to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, I, I'll do whatever. I, I'll, I'll make myself comfortable so I don't offend my Gentile people who I'm going to convert. He says, why? Not, not antinomials, not, not doing whatever I want. 
but because I'm under the law of Christ. What? So that I might win those who are out the law. In other words, again, I want to bring to salvation those who are under the law. Gentiles. I will, I will submit myself to them and not offend them. And that's why Paul didn't eat meat offered to idols. He didn't eat, drink certain things that would offend. He was in Gentile t- territory. He wouldn't do that because he knew it would offend them. So Paul says, I used my freedom in Christ not to offend the Gentiles as I went to them. Then he comes to this third category. And he says, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. Now, commentators are split on this as to what, who are the weak. Who are the weak? Some say, well, the weak here refers to those who are weak in chapter 8. Those who are weak in the faith, those who have not come to, to, uh, who have not come to maturity. And so the idea would be that Paul condescended to them and said, okay, I will become weak to you. I will, I will not use my freedoms for you weak brothers because I want to gain you. I want to gain you back and get spiritual harvest from you. And an example of that, again, would be, would be Paul when he took the Nazarite vow, right? He didn't have to take it. But people had been teaching that Paul had told everyone that, guess what? Uh, Paul has told everyone to not keep to the law, that they didn't have to do anything of the ceremonies of Moses, which Paul never did. And so as they said, hey, there's four guys who are going to take a Nazarite vow. Paul, why don't you take it with them and demonstrate that you are still what? Not preaching against this. And so Paul went and did what? He took a Nazarite vow. Didn't have to. But in order for the crowd to accept Paul and to, and to hear him, he was willing to take the Nazarite vow, which he took, a temporary one. It wasn't a lifetime one like Samson or John the Baptist, but a temporary one. And then later on, we see him, he would go to the temple and he would have his hair shorn and and given, right? As an act of devotion. And so Paul says, to the weak, I what? I became weak. I'll do whatever I need to, to save those, to, to help those who are weak in the faith. Well, another set of commentators would say, well, actually, all the way through, he's been talking about what? The gospel. The gospel. So who would the weak be? If Paul is talking about saving, bringing to salvation and giving the gospel, who is he speaking about? The lost, right? Those who are unable to understand the gospel. And he says, guess what? I came... I came economically weak. I came in weakness. I gloried in my weakness. I brought you the gospel. I brought you the simple gospel and I preached it to you. And I, came, I brought it at your level. I, I stooped to where you were. The power is in the gospel, not in me. And so Paul said, I came that way. I, came, I became weak. I was weak like you. I came to the level where you were so that you could hear the gospel and you could be saved. And he said, I did that for what? The gospel's sake. Either one could be true. Both of them are valid. But but Paul's point is simply this again. I gave up my rights. I gave up what was mine. I sacrificed for the gospel's sake. And so Paul says, I became weak that I might win the weak. 
Then he says, I have become all things to all men so that I may save, by all means save some. And again, he says, I have become all things to all men. Paul, what are you talking about? Well, he's just told us. He's just showed us. I'm willing to give up my rights wherever I go in order to win some. Now, unfortunately, this has been misused, and this whole passage has been misused so many times. People said, well, Paul, you said you became all things to all people, so guess what? That's what we need to do. We need to change our strategies in evangelism. We need, to, we need to go forth and we need to dumb down the gospel and we need to find the key of the culture and we've got we've to, you know, find a way in there. And if we got, we've got to dress like the people and we've got to talk like the people and we've got to be involved in all of their stuff and we've got to embrace the culture. But again, they totally miss the point. Paul is not talking in this passage. He never says once anything about the content of the gospel. He is completely talking about what? His behavior so that he can share the gospel. Did you hear that? He is talking about his behavior so he can share the gospel. He is earning a platform and adorning the gospel so that he can give the gospel. Well, don't we need a strategy? Don't we need to have a change? Don't we need to reach this culture? No, you don't. How did Paul, when he went to the Gentiles, what did he give them? Preaching, and he preached the gospel. Went to the Jews, what did he give them? He preached, and he gave them the gospel. His strategy was fairly simple. He never once change the content of the gospel to make it easier to under, to make it easier or more palatable on those listeners in fact he often challenged them he often spoke and he challenged the very presuppositions of the religion he was confrontational in his preaching at times he was straightforward this is not a call for you to embrace the culture this is not a call for us to somehow become like everybody else this isn't for us to change the way we do evangelism this is a personal choice to give up rights in order for you to give the bad news of the gospel and I say the bad news of the gospel because that's where it starts right people are lost and they need to be saved and so Paul says, I, I, I became all things. Why? That, so that they might be saved. I was willing to give up any rights that I had for the gospel's sake. And then Paul finishes up really as he maybe extends his thesis. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. I do whatever it takes without breaking God's law, without compromising truth, so that I might become a fellow partaker of it. In other words, Paul says, in the beginning, he says, I, I want to win more. But now he says, not only do I want to win more, he says, I want to be what? A fellow partaker of the gospel. In other words, I want to share fellowship with those who are saved. I want to be one who shares the joy of salvation with others. I want to be, a, the word literally, a co-sharer with you. I want to be, you and me, to be family together. In other words, we're in the family of God, and I want us to be family together, and we share in the faith. And Paul says, for that, for that joy, he says, I will gladly lay down all of my rights, all of my freedoms, so that the gospel might be heard. Now that's quite a challenge. That's quite a challenge. We sometimes struggle because we have certain freedoms that we think that we have. There's certain things that we like. And Paul says, you need to have my mindset. I'll give them all up for the gospel's sake. 
practically how could that look in, in our lives? Well, it can be anything from this. If you're a missionary to the Jews, are you going to invite them over and give, serve them pork? No. Are you going to do that with a Muslim? No. If you move to a Muslim country, can you use your freedom for your wife to dress like they do? You can, if you want to, right? So you don't offend. There are things that, that practically we, do, we can do, right? And so there are practical things that we, we can do in our lives. We have the freedom to drink. Are we willing to give that up for the gospel's sake? Right? We have, we have the freedom to watch movies, all kinds of movies, go to the movie theater. If that's an offense to someone, are we willing to give it up? You might not have to, right? But are we willing to do whatever it takes for the gospel's sake? Right? Am I willing to stay at work till exactly five o'clock instead of cutting out five minutes early to everyone else? Like, where does it go? And so, again, we're called to what? Be willing to lay down our freedoms for others. That's a hard call. But if we will be gospel-minded like Paul, and if we will do live every moment for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, then the things, the rights that we think we have become, they start to pale compared to what? The joy of being what? A partaker in the gospel. And I trust that that's the cry of each one of our hearts, that we would be what? Those who desire the spread of the gospel and to be partakers with others in the family of God. Let's close our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this reminder from Paul. Sometimes it's so easy to be caught up in a rut. It's so easy to be caught up in our own, our own world and our own desires, our own freedoms, that we lose track of why we're here, that we are here to share the gospel. And that we need to be those who are willing to lay down our rights so that we might ordain the gospel and gain a hearing for your word. And so I pray that you would apply to each one of us in our hearts in those areas that we need, that we might be those who would ordain the gospel by giving up our rights to gain a hearing for you. So Heavenly Father, use us, I pray, in your name, amen.